Welcome to the latest edition of the Meltzer 5 Star Project, an ongoing cause within the Let Me Tell You Something canon, in which myself, your Let Me Tell You Something co-host Lorcan Mullen, and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host, Simon Cross, watch every match that we can find that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated 5 stars or higher, and we've just come from a week of bumper reviews, there were two four and a half star matches in the last Observer that we were reading at time of recording. And there have now been two five-star matches on top of that. We're talking about the first one today. Simon, what match is it that we're talking about? Uh, We're talking about an AEW Rampage match, an opener match between the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks in the Young Bucks home state of California. I think their hometown as well. uh, Well, somewhere close to Sacramento, is it? I'm not sure. Yeah, Yeah, it's not quite Rancho Cucamanga, but it's not far off. And it's not quite a hometown hero's babyface performance from the Young Bucks either. Now, this is the third match that Meltzer has rated five stars or higher between these two teams. And last year, it was many a fan's pick for match of the year across the board. I know the Voices of Wrestling poll, which is a very um, significant one, it ranked number one. And I think you gave it your number one, didn't you, for match of the year? I believe I did, yeah. Yeah. The steel cage match? Yes. You were all wrong, but let's not dwell on that. <laughs> and not it's too early to start this again. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike that one, this is not some culmination of a an epic storyline, which is what the steel cage match had been, which was the final downfall of the overconfident young bucks losing their precious tag team gold. In the time in between them, the Lucha brothers have defended it a couple of times against the likes of FTR before dropping them to Jurassic Express with a very unfortunate bump taken by Ray Phoenix through a table where his arm did a... did He did to his arm what Sid Vicious did to his leg, it seemed. Uh, yeah. But then it was fortunate. I think it was just a dislocation, wasn't it? It just yeah. it looked much worse than it turned out to be. And Phoenix did come back a couple of about a month and a half ago, and the Young Bucks are trying to rally back after losing to the Hardy Boys at the Double or Nothing pay per view. But then the very next Dynamite, scoring a victory over Jungle Boy in an eight man was it, it was a ten man tag match, yeah, wasn't it? Yes, but I think it was Matt Jackson that scored the pin on him. Yeah, and the Lucha Bros themselves also as part of Death Triangle lost at double and nothing and are sort of on a comeback trail as, as pack is off doing something else uh, with the all atlantics title that's been announced and the house of black are going back to their broody little corner for the time being so yeah neither team is at the summit anymore but it's very clear that the the intention is to get the young bucks Back into position. I mean, straight after this, on the next Dynamite, they announced a triple threat ladder match or a three-way ladder match for the AEW tag titles. 
Yes. With the Jurassic Express and the Hardy Boys that were both seen in the crowd and the winners of this match, the Young Bucks. So I was, I mean, I sent a text to you. I didn't even know whether the match was well received or not, but I did send a text at some point saying, well, they've faced each other on Rampage, so there's a decent, you know, more likely than not, Meltzer's going to give it five stars. Yeah. And he did. I was not shocked at that at all. Uh, the the other match that he gave five stars to that we'll talk about at the end of this episode when we lead into next week's episode, eh, slightly more surprising. But this was just Young Bucks, Lucha Bros. You almost feel like they could do this match in their sleep or with their eyes closed at the very least. Yeah. It's almost like a greatest hits compilation in many ways. It's a, it's a spectacle. It's an exhibition. There's yes. no grand epic blow off to a feud or anything like that as there was in the steel cage match nor is it some big thematic statement of intent on a large scale that really the largest scale these two teams had had when they had that ladder match at the first was it the first double or nothing or was it the first AEW pay-per-view it was the first AEW pay-per-view yeah before dynamite started even yeah that that was to lay down a marker Uh, whereas this like you say is very much a here's how good these two are Let's just do it kind of thing. Let's just run it back. The chemistry between the two teams, as you allude to, is insane, as you say. Particularly between Nick and uh, Ray. Those two just flow like water. Well, that's been the running theme throughout the whole series of matches they've had, that they're mirror images of each other. Matt is to Penta and Nick is to to Phoenix. Yeah. Um, So... And they play that again at the start. It is Matt and Penta that face off and reach a stalemate. And then they tag in Nick and Phoenix, who then go off and a slightly more athletic stalemate. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things. Because, I mean, I saw... And actually, it was an exchange in that Nick-Phoenix sequence that was put up on Twitter. And someone was like, this is wrestling as good as it gets. And then someone else I follow on Twitter retweeted at least one person i follow on twitter retweets and was like really this is as good as it gets this is you know it's a classic thing to say but it really is like a marmite situation yeah as to whether and, and you know as times it seems to be more and more the sense of the philosophical impasse in in wrestling in modern north american western wrestling that you're either a brett guy or a sean guy and this is the sean guy match yeah, and if you're one, you can't enjoy anything of the other. You must defend your type and your type alone to the hilt. Well, it depends how how defining your personality needs to be. Yeah. You know, I will say I'm a Brett guy over a Sean guy. That's no shock to anyone. <laughs> I was going to say, everyone knows that. I'm pondering my favourite wrestlers of all time list uh, as we speak for when I hit a certain landmark in a year and a half's time. And I'm not, it's not something I'm pouring over for the next 500 days, don't worry. Uh, But it's just something that's always in the back of my mind. And whilst Brett will be number one, there's no doubt about that in my mind whatsoever. Sean will be there somewhere, I just don't know where. Yeah. So you can enjoy it, but you will see that the flaws will bother you more. I think it's always one of those things where it's like, um, if you love a film so much, the flaws won't bother you. But if you're not enjoying a film then you'll start to pick up on certain things like plot inconsistencies. You know, you're, the, the nitpicking culture of f- film criticism online is a bad thing, but I think it comes from an honest place in that 
people may not like a film on an instinctual elemental level but they won't be able to verbalize why so instead they just choose to say that it's through plots holes and and what have you i think that's that's just human nature in general i i I don't think that's specific to like a certain type of fan base for anything i i think that's just general human nature even if you are nitpicking. I don't think there like, was a lot to nitpick in how th- this style of match was executed on this occasion. I can pick at least two. It depends if you define them as nitpicks or if you can define them as, I think, valid argu- valid criticisms of things they did wrong in the match that are emblematic of some of my problems with certain aspects of these type of matches, such as when you do the dive sequence and you need your opponent to stay perfectly in the right place. And it's like Nick does a dive onto phoenix on the outside and he rests against the barricade and then he just moves a few steps towards his brother matt and then they're just looking at penta coming towards them for too long a period of time when penta lands on them that you're just winding you get out of the way yeah and then penta picks them both up and this is like actually trying to use psychology within the concept of a diving sequence where you're holding them up for your teammate to hit them and that's fine if you're holding them in place but then when phoenix does his spinning tornado dive to the outside he very visibly hits uh matt and his own partner penta much well he doesn't hit nick or he doesn't (laughs) hit matt one or the other and they fall down as if they've been hit yeah you know and another point late on in the match is where you know it's all about the last gas pinfall attempts and when they hit the melts driver on phoenix penta i think visibly doesn't actually get to them in time to break up the pin but the ref stops the count anyway and both of those instances, both of those instances, the Excalibur had to pick it up because it was so visibly an issue. You know, it's that classic, didn't quite get all of it. Yeah. So they're having to explain away a fault within the logic of the match. And that's a commentator's job, and they do a decent enough stab at it, but it's still, you know, a flaw, you know? And when it's all about how, and like I said, it was like kind of my issue with the FTR Young Bucks, when it's all about how well you execute these intricate spots... Therefore, when you do it wrong slightly, they've got nothing to back it up with. There's nothing else that you're doing like on a thematic or a story level that can make up for those mistakes. And so it's almost like being that that, you know, fat gymnastics um, judge that gives someone a mark for a slight step movement. Well, you're striving for perfection in this particular field. And if you fall short of it, then I'm going to mark you down. You know, uh, I can accept that. I have I can... followed by you the standards you're presenting to me, and you're making this presentation. Well, look at how flawlessly we can do this. Well, I'm going to notice the flaws more, and they're going to n- knock against you more as to why I would say these aren't my favourite types of matches because when they make mistakes, the mistakes are more visibly a problem. You know, like like my favourite match of all time is Bret Hart v David Boy Smith, and there were various mistakes that happened in that match for David Boy's placing, but yeah. because of the story of the match and the way that Bret phrased it and moved around it and worked around it, I never even realised there were mistakes until Bret's talking about the match 10, 20 years later. Yeah, I will say with like intricate sequences, you somewhat lose your ability to freestyle if you've got to be in exposition almost immediately after why move if that makes sense that's fine but i just don't want my criticisms of those mistakes to be perceived as 
unfair nitpicking. I'm judging it by the standards they're setting both themselves and me as a viewer. Mm. Okay, I can understand that to some level. I, I, I guess because I'm more like if we go down that like the division, I'm more Sean than Brett. Perhaps I am just naturally more forgiving um, than you, you would be for that that type of. I don't want to say error, but slight misstep. Well, we've also got to factor into the, this, Simon. I was raised Irish Catholic. <laughs> Those who, the people who know, know, and I, I don't think we need to say anymore. <laughs> okay, I'll, my last like this was a problem I had in the match was the spot where because they usually come after something so amazing that defies almost the laws of gravity or physics as to how what the human body you thought was able to do until you see these guys doing it yeah and that was when when penta does that when penta sets up ray phoenix for the splash off of his shoulders so he's sitting on the second rope and penta does the splash then because it's a splash he's automatically in the pinfall position but as he gets there rich Knox slides into position for the count but just stays there doing nothing because he knows that what's supposed to happen before he starts the count is for Penta to hit a Canadian destroyer off the back of Phoenix onto Matt Jackson. Mm. So mm. it's just those little moments of just why hasn't the ref been counting as it's going? And they can't do that because maybe the ref would have done that if they if he knew that was the ending pinfall because that would make it even more spectacular as it's going through. Yeah. But he knows that it needs that time and space after the Canadian Destroyers hit, that the fans can reset and be concentrating on the three counts. Yeah. And concentrate on the kick-out that comes from it and know that the match is going on. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I'm a, that's a great like encapsulation of um, the point you're making of because you want to do so many intricate things, you have to reach deeper sometimes into the realms of disbelief if someone's slightly out of position. So I, I, t- I take the point on board. Um, it was kind of like the the famous Bray points and Roman spears uh, pinfall sort of thing that they were going for. Yeah. Um, if it had been the decisive pinfall. So that's yeah. why I think Rich would have probably been counting whilst he was doing that because if, you know, it would have led to the right pop, but they knew it was still... Because it's the Young Bucks and the Luchas, they hit about five moves and sequences that would have been finishing sequences. And either it's saved by uh, the partner or they somehow manage to kick out. I think the Young mm-hmm. Bucks kick out of at least two insane big moves. Well, that that's one of them, actually, with the with the splash. Yeah. Um, and there's the Made in Penta followed by the Eddie Guerrero tribute frog splash. They also kicked out of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think... The craziest spot in the whole match for me was Penta and Phoenix going for the stacked up superplex. And on Matt, I think, Matt blocking it, Nick springboarding in and hitting a drop kick onto Phoenix, which causes Phoenix to fall, which turns it into him executing on Penta. That old standard of mind, Simon. What does Penta get hit with by his own partner? A, re- a reverse Rana. <laughs> it 
if you're gonna do a reverse rana then that's that's a fun the most fun way to do it i suppose yeah and i suppose it's the natural progression because i think even these teams have realized we've done a lot of them so what do we do that's new and fresh in relation to that spot we'll get to the point where um this is what happens all the time and then what's old is new again blah 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 because there's a regular uh poison rana in this match as well uh is it nick on ray i believe i can't quite remember yes but... yes nick jackson hits a super kick and a reverse rana yeah and then that's setting him up for the BT trigger, which he dodges, but then they catch him in the melts of driver. And that's another uh, which Penta's late to save on. Yeah, where Excalibur has to go, oh, I think he overpinned, and that's why yeah. he rolled through. <laughs> <laughs> Excalibur is, is very, very good at bailing people out of those situations. Jim and Tony, if Jim's not being a bit too cranky like he was in his earlier... Uh, days are also obviously pros at it but yeah Excalibur's the best of the three I think because I think because he's the youngest and therefore the most forgiving well also I imagine he's seen these sorts of slight failures uh, or mistakes in his time in PWG yeah because this is a very PWG kind of match mm. I mean that, that, that was what these two teams specialised in really and where they most got over before AEW established itself and where they'd had I think he literally says it in commentary. Their first match was a PWG match. Yeah, 2016 Bowler, he mm. says, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the Young Bucks being the hometown heroes but still playing the heels for the most part? They have the baby face spots, but there's also... I mean, to be fair, there's never a moment where a face is in peril. It's just constant back and forth sequencing. But there's a moment at the start when they have the standoff where it looks like they're going to be... Mm. Come try, you know, be the hometown heroes, and Nick puts his hand out to shake, and Phoenix making him look like an idiot takes it, and then he just attacks them both, and then as feeds into the finishing sequence, Matt Jackson takes off Penta's mask, leaving him paralyzed essentially. Yes, yes, and that what that is what allows them to win in the end. So it's not quite MJF playing it up, but it's not, you know. Maybe it's because they also wanted them to look strong as, as a heel team can do because they're going to be put into the tag team scene. And I wouldn't be surprised by the time this comes out if they are the two-time AEW tag team champions. I think the Young Bucks are in that Randy Orton sphere where it doesn't matter if they are acting face or heel. They, they have this anointed state of overness and love from their audience regardless of how they actually act well they're not going to hold back like say jay white has done for all these years as a heel yeah they they don't do that to play up more of the heel aspects they will be heels but they will do the most spectacular moves and they'll play it into their characters being just arrogant dicks who can do all this stuff yeah but even when they try and play face they're still it's it's they try and walk that line between cocky and arrogant and it's a very very thin tightrope so it, they're basically the same characters no matter what orientation they are they just lean into it and play up to it more when they go heel yeah they, they go over the top with it as opposed to you know 
and the young bucks going over the top. My God. <laughs> yeah. Well, they just changed their personal shopper depending on whether they're face or heel, basically. So uh, I don't have much more to say about this match. I mean, it's a fairly quick one as well. It felt no more than 15 minutes or so. Yeah. The only time it really slowed down was a bit during the commercial break. Which is natural. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have any more. You know, we just repeated some spots. And whether you have problems with the slight mistakes or not, I think says something about where you sit with this kind of wrestling and these kind of teams. I do love the both teams. I I've still feel like Penta has somewhere else to go, maybe separate from Phoenix. And he needs to, you know, it would probably mean him playing less up on the Sierra Miedo. But I, yeah. I do miss that Penta from Lucha Underground who was just the coolest guy in all the wrestling that was breaking people's arms instead of just baiting it in a spot right at the start of the match. Oh, well, know? they tried it for all of two weeks when he briefly yeah. got trapped in the Codyverse. Well, let's not go into that. Save that maybe for our next episode. But um, do you have anything else to say before we kind of get to the end of the ratings and everything not really it's just like you say it's everything we expect from them that they deliver Mm. basically but without the emotional significance that was there especially in the steel cage match from last year so i kind of feel like you can't give this match a five star rating because it will always be below that although i'm sure i don't know if Meltzer gave that match he probably did give it like five and three quarter stars or whatever it is he gives those because then he gave their ladder match five and a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> no, he must have gone up to at least five and a half for the steel cage. Uh, I would probably go four at the most. It'd probably be hovering somewhere around three and a half to four. Three and a half probably feels too harsh. So three and three quarters at a minimum, probably four. Yeah, four, four, four and a bit. Four and a bit. Yeah. That's, a new, that's a new kind of rating, isn't it? Well, somewhere using between... the imperial measurements. <laughs> well, you know, because um, Brexit, because re- Brexit means breakfast. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, we both reside in the UK, and there there is talk that we're we're, we're uh, going backwards in not only our GDP but our units of measurement. So I'm just practicing as a man who didn't live it through it properly first time. Anywho, no, I'd go four between four and a half. <laughs> I'm sorry, Simon, but the metric system is the tool of the devil. My car gets 40 rods to the hog's head, and that's the way I likes it, Simon. (laughs) You've stolen my soul! (laughs) But if there's nothing left for people to say, uh, for us to say about this one, Simon, I guess people can tell you how they can get in touch with you with some... uh, better example i don't know uh with some explanations as to what conversions you're gonna have to do to switch to imperials they'll send it to you via telegram because i think that's gonna be and not the app although maybe it should be the app but how can they do so simon uh they can get in touch with me on twitter where i'm so known as simon cross free free point free for the 3.3 foot approximately in each meter 
My name is Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for the A at the end of Lucha and N for the N at the end of Jackson. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox. If you're putting at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. LMTYspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. If you feel like throwing a few pennies our way to help with our subscriptions and the like and our RSS feed fees to keep the lights on and keep this podcast going... And not make us take a month off because someone goes on holiday and someone else needs to get a lead for their microphone but can't afford it until payday. Then, by all means, if that's why you're wondering why there was a gap, then, you know, by all means, go to our patreon.com slash pod For the next episode, there was another five-star match on that week. On that weekend as well, if you count the Friday screening as the weekend. Simon, what match are we covering for the next episode of the Meltzer Five Star Project. Well, we're going to fairly unvisited territory for the Five Star Project. We are going to the WWE main roster. <gasps> uh, <laughs> we are we are talking about a match between a rec- fairly recent mainstay of the list, the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, and I believe... I'm almost certain it's a newcomer in Seth Rollins. A debut inside, inside Hell in a Cell. Well, there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name. That we'll see you then. Even if one of us tears our peck in the time in between, we'll guts through it. It won't be as physically taxing as uh, that was. Although not by much, given the way that Simon has to flagellate himself every time I make a valid point that counts as one of his. <laughs> but until then, there's nothing left to say except is my name's Lorcan Mullen and he's stop hitting yourself. Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time.